0: It's an emergency pod twitter has its groove back they've bought six companies and they're launching a subscription service stick with us you probably keep hearing about stock 2 compliance and you think Hmm, is this is really relevant to me. Well, if you're targeting any large enterprise as a customer, there are all sorts of data privacy and security measures that you need to have buttoned up to close those deals. And you don't want your engineers taking time out of building your core product. And you don't want to hire a third party auditor. It's no joke, getting stock to compliant can take months and it costs a ton. That's where SecureFrame comes in. SecureFrame helps hundreds of companies get enterprise ready by streamlining stock to compliance in weeks, not months. They also monitor over 40 services, including AWS, GCP, and Azure. SecureFrame will continuously collect audit evidence, run security awareness training, manage vendors, infrastructure, and more, all automatically. On average, SecureFrame customers save 50% on their audit costs and hundreds of hours of time. Their team of compliance experts and auditors are happy to answer any questions and give advice. When you think of compliance, don't get stressed. Just think of SecureFrame, streamlined, affordable, and hassle-free. SecureFrame is offering $2,000 off the first year for Twist listeners. That's right, $2,000 off your first year at secureframe.com. Slash offer slash twist. Secure, F R A M E dot com slash offer slash twist. You got to put those two slashes in. Secureframe dot com slash offer slash twist. Emergency podcast today. We have to talk about Twitter. They seem to have fixed the product log jam. They have announced uh, a bunch of new products. We're going to talk about that today. They've acquired six companies in the past year and revenue is surging. And it seems engagement is back. And they're shipping product. Everything is going in the right direction for Twitter. After a couple of years of basically being sideways, they basically got their groove back. And so here is the big news. Twitter is reportedly launching a subscription service called Twitter Blue. Clever name. Uh, although that will confuse people. People are going to think they're going to get their blue check mark with it. Maybe they will. Who knows? That will start at $3 a month, $2.99 or $36 a year. That's really, really cheap. Typically people start with a low price and then increase it. As you saw with Netflix and obviously, obviously Amazon Prime, those things have gotten more expensive every year, not less. Twitter did $3.7 billion in revenue in 2020 with 7% year over year growth. That's actually not huge growth, but it's growth. And for a brand that was incredibly influential in terms of media, politics, the arts and sports and almost every major topic in the world, Really, Twitter underperformed in terms of growth and revenue. And it feels like uh, they've now turned that around. And innovation solves all problems. And what we've seen from Twitter in the last year is massive innovation in the form of shipping products. Where a company starts is often uh, predictive of where they end up. And Twitter started with a very simple product and very slow innovation. They didn't like to change the product because... It was simple and elegant. That might have been a mistake. If you look at something like Facebook and Instagram and other products, they constantly add new features, rip features out, and they're constantly innovating. So it seems like Twitter has realized this, and specifically Jack, and he has started to really uh, elevate the product offering. Back in May of 2007, uh, this is almost 14 years ago. My gosh, time is flying. I posted a series of blogs on my uh, my personal uh, blog at calicanus.com. and the first one. Was I would pay for twitter.com. Literally 14 years ago, I said I would pay for this. And I was pro- proposing in, in that blog post a 100 year premium offering, three times what they're charging for this uh, Twitter Blue product, this rumored Twitter Blue product, and that it would give you a dedicated server, independent a- and would um, be faster, some more features and better speed. And this was because there was a really acute problem in the early days of Twitter. It would take a long time to post your message and it was slow and it crashed. Uh, A year later, in May of 2008, I posted Twitter Pro. One year later, same request take my money for less downtime. And here's the quote I still think there's a huge market, perhaps 1% to 5% of Twitter base uh, that would pay for a professional account. If 1% of 10 million users, because that's how many they had at the time, would pay $20 a month or $250 a year, you're looking at 100,000 paid users at $250 a year each. That's 25 million in revenue. Probably too high of a number. Uh, in terms of the price per user, and obviously too low of a number in terms of where they actually wound up. Uh, in Q1, Twitter had 199 million monetizable daily active users. Yeah, so MDAU is monetizable daily active users. Most people say daily active users. I think what they're doing here, Twitter, when they say monetizable daily active users, is taking out bots and, and uh, people maybe who would never pay. If one to five percent of those paid 250 a year that'd be 2 million to 10 million users, and that would be 500 million to 2.5 billion a year. And so that would be approximately, you know, at 5%, 250 a year, that'd be 67% of their 2020 revenue. Now that price is too high. That might work actually, that would be cheap for professional accounts. So if you were a journalist, if you were a CEO, if you had a corporate account, those numbers actually would be quite reasonable because people already pay for things like buffer, where they pay for analytical tools, etc. Uh, and they obviously have people on staff who are getting paid well to to uh, staff their Twitter accounts. So 250 a year for a professional Twitter account is not that big of a deal if one to 5% of those same users on Twitter uh, pay this, you know, alleged 299 price $36 a year, that'd be 72 million to 360 million a year what's interesting about that number is it would be 100% profit. I mean, you might have some fees if they allowed it through the App Store and gave a 30% cut to uh, somebody like Apple or Google. But essentially, you're, you're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars. Uh, and it would probably become 10%, uh, 20% of their revenue. Of course, you would lose some ads on the margins. But the truth is, Twitter has been known to not show ads to the most important accounts. In other words, If you've got over 100,000 followers, you're probably going to not see so many ads, or at least that's the rumor. In January of 2008, I gave Twitter, or I speculated, this is before Twitter had revenue turned on, that they would have three wildly lucrative businesses, in-feed advertising, which is obviously how they generate revenue today, subscriptions, and SMS advertising. Because at the time, SMS was a big piece of the Twitter experience. In fact, Twitter started as an SMS service. Most people don't know that. Obviously, that's been deprecated. So two out of three ain't bad. Um, It only took them 13 years, but here we are. Back in March of 2009, I asked Twitter if they would take $250,000 from me. It was a sincere offer, by the way, to become a a default user. And that would make me featured. And I thought it would result in five or 10,000 people following an account today. And I had a product called Mahalo Answers at the time, which was kind of like Quora, but with a virtual currency in it. I kid you not. It had Mahalo dollars where people would get these dollars and then they could cash them out for uh, other products and even gift cards. So it was, you know, before cryptocurrency, we had a concept of virtual currencies. That was it was a um, precursor and I owned at questions and at answers. So I was like, Oh, if we get at questions we could do. uh, We could promote that product or service. I should have kept that going (laughs) because it obviously uh, is valuable. And here are some quotes from that article. Of course, I was only half bluffing with this move. I was 90% sure Twitter wouldn't take my money. And I wouldn't have to pony up the two hundred fifty thousand dollar check. However, if they did call my bluff and cashed it the two hundred fifty, I actually would have gotten what I wanted: two to ten million Twitter follows and the ability to drive one to two million visits to Mahalo a month from Twitter. Because at the time, that would be uh, you know an expected click rate, you know 20 percent. That's obviously changed dramatically as uh, the number of dead accounts on Twitter has increased. Uh, my plan was to post the top five most absolutely fascinating questions a day from Mahalo answers. Uh, And, you know, do that to the questions account, which I still own to this day. The point is that Twitter has the ability to unleash a direct marketing business, the likes of which the world has never seen. I predict they will. And when they do, they will make the Twitter naysayers look like the donkeys. They really are. Note, you ever notice the folks who have the most to say about making money are the ones who've never made any? Exactly. Wow, I used to be a little spicy in my writing there. full, full, Full contact blogging. Twitter is a giant open email box that we all hang out in every day, the power of Twitter is yet to be fully understood in the same way email and the web weren't fully understood. That's actually pretty pressy, And I give myself some credit for that. Uh, And that's a nice metaphor, actually, the the open uh, email box. So back to the present day. Rumors of the paid version for Twitter heated up in 2020, um, as this product velocity increased and Twitter decided to address this in q2 in a shareholder letter in July. And this is the quote from that letter, we are also in the early stages of exploring additional potential revenue product opportunities to complement our advertising business. These may include subscriptions and other approaches in Uh, that Q2 2020 earnings call, CEO Jack Dorsey responded to a question about offering a paid version. Here's a 90 second clip, and I'll uh, give my feedback on the other side.
1: So first and foremost, we have a really high bar for when we would um, ask consumers to to pay for aspects of Twitter. You know, this is uh, a start. um, And we're in the very, very early phases of uh, exploring. As you mentioned, there have been a number of ideas over the years, we have focused the majority of our attention on increasing uh, revenue durability, uh, meaning that we have multiple lines of, of revenue to pull from. Most importantly, we want to make sure that any uh, new line of revenue is complementary to our advertising business. We do think there's a world where subscription uh, is complementary. We think there's a world where commerce is complementary. Um, you can imagine uh, work around helping people manage uh, paywalls uh, as well, that we believe is complementary. So that's what we're looking for. We have, a, we have a small team who's exploring our options. Obviously, we're, we're hiring for those teams. Given the, the work that we've done now and finished on our ad server, uh, given the progression of our, our roadmap on map, uh, and given the increased speed we're moving at in terms of our development velocity, um, we're now at a place where we can explore other ideas, and and you will likely see some tests this year. Um, and, you know, as we build anything, we want to, you know, work with the people that we're serving and make sure that we have a phenomenal experience before we before we share it. But right now, our number one priority uh, is making sure that um, our map roadmap is strong and moving fast. Uh, and that brings us to a greater performance roadmap as well.
0: All right. there you have it, folks um, from the man himself paywall obviously means some number of tweets or even videos, audio, or perhaps even newsletters could be behind a paywall and your Twitter account would become the single source of people subscribing to you because we all know that our Twitter handle is what we use to authenticate into many other services and our Twitter following is what drives as content creators a lot of our engagement on other platforms like Clubhouse or Substack. In fact, Substack and Clubhouse built their graph Largely off of journalists and influencers and CEOs and venture capitalists and artists logging into those services finding their friends on them instantly and now Twitter has to say wait a second maybe we should own those businesses and in fact we'll get into that uh, they have the Twitter blue scoop which I'll unpack for a moment here uh, this was um, reported on Twitter by an app researcher named Jan- Jane Wong. Uh, She is Wong M Jane, W-O-N-G-M-J-A-N-E. And she released this on May 15th on Saturday. And uh, she said the initial features uh, will include the ability to bookmark tweets into collections. That sounds a lot like moments. So maybe, you know, which which is a product they removed. Uh, But I kind of like that product. It it was kind of neat. In a leaked screenshot, it says take your Twitter experiences to the next level with exclusive features, collections, save and organize your favorite tweets into collections so they're easier to find later. So the idea here would be, you know, they have lists. They never really finished lists. They never made that a great product. That was a huge missed opportunity. I think lists should become something that Twitter makes as part of this or advanced lists. There's so many different things you could do with advanced lists. And uh, maybe when you hit the star or bookmark, you could then uh, save these tweets, even if they get deleted uh, or republish them. Pretty interesting. Um, And the screenshot of collections and bookmarks in actions looks as you would expect it you add and remove uh, a tweet to a collection it does a little pop-up and, and you put it in there no no big deal maybe they'll have an undo tweet button with a timer kind of like undo send in emails if you use superhuman which we're investors in when you send your email it holds it for 10 seconds you get a little button thing on the bottom that says undo on any action whether you're archiving deleting or even sending composing and then sending and that's pretty nice to uh, have that there's a leaked gif of in fact the undo tweet. Um, It says your tweet was sent and there's an undo button. Uh, And when you look at that GIF, it's kind of uh, like a little status bar uh, that fills up, you know, if you click it, you can then uh, undo your tweet. And so I guess Twitter is going to make you pay to have that feature. Um and uh, clutter-free news reading, better news aggregation is also mentioned here. And when we get to the acquisition section, one of the companies we invested in, which I don't have inside information on, might be part of this vision. We'll see. Um, it remains to be seen. But they are planning perhaps multiple tiers here with more premium features for higher tiers. So two ninety nine, six ninety nine, and you know twenty nine ninety nine might be what they do here. Just like when you buy any SaaS software, according to Wong. This Twitter blue screenshot is a work in progress and not final. Things like the name, pricing features, et cetera, may change ahead of official launch, but I'm sure the features that will grow as time grows. So who knows um, how she got this information, but she obviously has somebody who leaked it to her. I'm assuming she did not dumpster dive for these in the uh, trash bins behind uh, the Twitter headquarters because it's closed or due to pandemic, and I'm assuming she didn't hack their system. So let's take a look at some of the acquisitions and the velocity, they they put somebody in charge, uh, the Periscope co-founder Kayvon uh, Bakepoor who is going to be on this uh, podcast soon, maybe next week or two weeks. He's uh, K A Y V Z on Twitter. He's pretty awesome. He's the head of consumer products, and he joined in 2015 after they um, bought Periscope before it launched, which is it was a great product, and then he became the head of product in a June 2018 reorg by Jack. Periscope was officially sunset and shut down um just on March 31st of this year and uh, like I said Kevon's coming on the podcast but let's look at the the product velocity here they launched Spaces back in November 2020 I was lucky enough to be part of that um they can be started by anyone now with over 600 followers it's a direct competitor to Clubhouse I would argue it's better than Clubhouse because you can be on Twitter and share tweets while this is playing like in a minimized tray at the bottom of the app which is really cool because what most people are doing on clubhouse is leaving clubhouse and opening twitter and you know reading tweets while talking on clubhouse is um now in one specific space and you don't have to rebuild your followers and you get to just everybody who's on twitter automatically sees you hanging out there now it's not working on the web yet it's not working on ipad So there's a lot of growth left for Twitter Spaces. I think Twitter Spaces will have many more users than Clubhouse ultimately. Uh, Super Follows, this was announced on February 25th and it's going to let users earn money from followers who pay them for exclusive content, e-commerce deals or other perks. You know, this will be kind of like Patreon. We actually shut our Patreon down recently because many of you didn't know about it. We're trying to get you to go over Patreon. Maybe we'll relaunch that, we'll see, but we'll probably relaunch that natively on Apple and Spotify which are offering um, ad free subscriptions, which I think 1% of you will probably take advantage of. But you never know, maybe we'll do some content here. We generally don't like to charge our users, we have great advertisers and partners. So this isn't as relevant for us. But you could see it being relevant for the only fans crowd or the Substack crowd, or certain uh, content that is not advertiser friendly. And you could see other influencers making money from this. So um the idea here would be, uh, you get um, subscriber only newsletters, you know, access to different communities that you wouldn't have access to or deals and discounts, that kind of stuff, the standard cohort of things on Patreon. And this means you don't, again, have to leave Twitter. So if you want to hold the space, you want to do a newsletter, you want to have an audio space, a newsletter, a Patreon, you're basically building Substack, Patreon. And spaces into Twitter, where your graph is, and where everybody's spending time. And that really is going to make a difference. Because people switching apps is a cost people having to download apps, having to create a Patreon account. This is all nonsense and takes too much time. If everything is in one app, it's much, much more like it is in China, where you have singular apps that have many features in them, YouTube, um, added a premium uh, membership, you might have become aware of. So when you have on a lot of YouTube channels, you'll see subscribe, and join join means you pay subscribe means you get it for free so again patreon i'm short patreon because why would anybody go start a patreon if it's built in youtubers there's no reason to start a patreon and a podcaster now with apple and spotify offering subscriptions and with twitter offering subscriptions really why would you even need to go there And and that's not a dick to patreon it's an interesting service and they obviously pioneered it but it does show exactly you know how your startup can become a feature of another one channels can add exclusive videos members only content yada yada tip jar i just turned this on i just got an alert about it i'm going to donate all my my uh, tips to charity but this lets you connect your twitter handle to things like the cash app which obviously jack owns as part of square patreon paypal venmo bandcamp and some other services and twitter takes no cut which is a really interesting concept so they're undercutting other people and i think the tip jar could become a really powerful concept i watch a number of online youtube live shows nick's fan tv scott adams um his morning show at 7am and i see people give $5 $10 $25 to these uh live streams and then it's got a really neat thing it, it the the on youtube i recently gave a $50 tip Uh, to my friend CP of the franchise who does Knicks fan TV because it's so entertaining. I just thought I'll just throw him 50 bucks and he can buy a bottle of Chardonnay. Because after the Knicks game, I like to watch his post game commentary. It's like by the fans for the fans. So I give him the 50 bucks and I didn't realize this, but my $50 tip with my name stayed up on the screen for 30 minutes. I think if you put like a $10 tip, it stays up for 10 minutes. $5 stays up for five minutes, you get the idea. So you kind of get this really nice um, recognition. By doing this, obviously, this exists in other places and tipping super big in China Du yin is how it's pronounced I believe owned by ByteDance collected 1.7 billion uh, in tipping revenue in the first half of 2020. According to my notes here, other services like Twitch uh, have tipping for a long time. You all know that. So let's look at the acquisitions because the acquisitions do tell a story. Twitter stock has obviously obviously done well. And some incomplete deals, it was reported they were in talks with uh, discord and clubhouse, those deals fell through. According to sources, clubhouse may have raised that $4 billion that might have been a preemptive funding by Andreessen Horowitz and others, because they got a serious offer. So I would say maybe Twitter offered them two or $3 billion for clubhouse, which is insane. <laughs> but you know, such as the industry, when something breaks out and gets escape velocity it becomes worth a lot. We can talk about that in another episode. But the in the venture capitalists probably said, "Hey, here's a hundred million dollars. You can each take 10, 20 million off the table. We'll buy some shares from the founders to keep you in the game as an independent company." That'll probably turn out to be a mistake if they got an offer of three or four billion. You know, usually I'd say go long, but in this situation where everybody's building Clubhouse into Slack, it's being built into LinkedIn, it's being built into Facebook. You know, everybody's basically announced that they're going to build this in as a feature. I think Clubhouse is going to be you know, ultimately worth less than the $4 it's worth today. That's just my personal belief. And I'm not saying that to to deride the founders or anything, or because I wasn't able to invest in it. It's just that I've never seen the replication of a product like this, this quick. And in fact, most people say the clubhouse copied it from discord. I don't know if that's actually true. But many people have told me that 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 was where the inspiration was so but they did buy breaker which was a podcasting app that was very interesting breaker relied on the twitter feed uh the twitter social graph to tell you what your friends were listening to in terms of podcasts it was really well done um it wasn't my default player my default player has the is the apple one and the an overcast because i like the power user features in overcast and i like uh apple's uh, ui sometimes i'll use spotify but you know you, i'm just kind of been trained to use the other two they're they all seem to have Parody. And so I believe what they're going to do with this podcast player breaker is they're going to combine the concept of spaces with podcasting inside of Twitter and then let you pay for it. So that's probably the grand plan. You do a Twitter space, you record it, and then it's available for pay on the replay. So free live, pay on the replay. At least that's what I would do. They bought Owe No um, back in January of 2021 for an undisclosed amount. It's a full service creative agency that previously worked with Twitter. And the why in the aqua hire here is to accelerate the quality and execution of Twitter's product experience, according to the chief design officer, Dantley Davis. So who knows uh, what that is about? It could just be talent. This, uh, you know, founder wrote a funny tweet now, comma, about that edit button jack. So obviously, maybe he's going to be designing, uh, you know, all these new features and, and creating the Twitter singularity. In the content space they bought drive scale back in january 25th for an undisclosed amount and that's a server company that optimized uh computing storage and network fabric again that was an aqua hire to accelerate their app development that happens all the time in the industry company runs out of money didn't get to scale investors are you know kind of ready to sell it the team is ready to go work somewhere else the big one i think one of the big ones is review r-e-v-u-e which is a Substack killer and it allows you to do newsletter subscription services. So people who write tweet storms now get prompted, hey, check out review. And so I think this is going to be quite material, I would consider putting, you know, an email newsletter onto to Twitter if it made it easier to manage because I'm constantly having Twitter users and I'm forwarding them over to MailChimp or whatever, or a type form. They acquired reshuffle back in March of 2021. It's an API uh, integration platform. And they called it a strategic aqua and they're going to shut down, reshuffle and add those people to Twitter's API team. Twitter has had a love-hate relationship with the API. They gave everybody API access. People abused it. People created mass confusion by creating Twitter clients. They redid that. They shut it down. They deprecated apps access. Now they want to do a 2.0 API. It's just a very hard thing to do because when you have these APIs, you create competitors like Clubhouse uh, and Substack, etc., and then you may want to go into that business. And now they've siphoned off your users. And you basically have enabled downstream competitors, which is why Zuckerberg doesn't have APIs anymore. Uh, and a uh, company we invested in scroll was just acquired uh, in a couple of weeks ago. And uh, I think it's really interesting scroll was a subscription service that basically allowed users to read News and buy a subscription across many sites. And this is, you know, one of the either the siren song of founders or the holy grail. And I think this will be part of Twitter Blue. I think when you subscribe to Twitter Blue, maybe for, you know, $8 a month, you'll get to read news stories natively inside of Twitter, just like Apple News, which I recently paid for as part of my family plan. So now everybody in the family, when they go to Google News, gets to read it. And I really love this family plan stuff because. I might not pay for Apple News otherwise, but if I'm like, ah, it's going to be split between two, three, four, five people. Okay, kind of makes sense. Or you know, iCloud is, you know, I get the two terabyte. Okay, now, you know, I got three kids. We're dividing the cost, you know, across five people. Just starts to work uh, really well, and I think it's super powerful. And so you can follow Try Scroll on Twitter, and it gives them, you know, basically, uh, it just takes a lot of clutter out, and it makes things really easy. You take out the ads. And I think this ad-free experience is going to be really neat when you're on Twitter and able to, you know, just very simply read news stories, um, clean, fast, just like Apple News. Maybe even preloaded. The news will be preloaded uh, and um, cached, the top news. And so you, you look at that, you know, acquisition spree from Breaker uh, all the way down to Scroll. That's six acquisitions in the first uh, five months of the year it's a pretty acquisitive year. So they have really aggressive projections, they want to grow uh, double revenue by 2023, you know, doubling revenue in three or four years, you divide that into 72, the rule of 72, you have to be 1520% growth every year. And you know, they were at 7%. So that's 10 years to double revenue. So now they've set a much more ambitious goal. That means they're going to need to have either more advertising twice as much advertising charge twice as much for it have twice as many users or have another revenue stream that contributes to this. So they're obviously doing all of those things uh, and getting aggressive. They set a goal to double development velocity by the end of 2023. I think they're getting there already. They really want to do that to drive the monetizable daily active users or revenue, right? Uh, And you know, 199 is nice, but they're well behind other platforms. Facebook uh, has about 14 times as many uh, daily uh, users, and uh, Facebook's quarterly revenue is 25 times that of Twitter. So that's pretty uh, aggressive. Twitter is aiming to grow their uh, monetizable daily active users to just 315 million. So they've only got to add 115 million. I think that's possible uh, with a lot of these subscription products because. You know, if you have Patreon, OnlyFans, you know, paid YouTube, you you as a content creator are then going to ask people to come to some location to engage. That location was OnlyFans, Twitch, Clubhouse, Substack, Patreon. Now, you're going to tell them to come to Twitter. I'm going to say, go to Twitter.com slash Jason and subscribe or somebody like lizzo might say go to twitter.com slash lizzo and subscribe and see my you know you know me doing acoustic versions of my songs at home whatever she does like some cool stuff on tiktok like that uh will she'll sing and interact with fans so really interesting to see this aggressive and you know twitter had a stagnant share price for a long time they ipo in 2013 under dick costolo who is now an investor a great guy um and they were at a 31 billion dollar market cap. After a brief surge to 60 bucks a share, Twitter dropped back to 40 and traded flat until 2015. Then it dipped to $30 a share. A- and this was, you know, I think pretty rattling for a lot of Twitter insiders and shareholders. I think a lot of them sold their shares back then. And uh, Twitter traded down and bottomed out at $14 a share in 2017. Jack in 2018 reorganized and the market started to respond. A lot of people like um, Professor Galloway were saying, you know, Jack should be fired. I believe. And and then Twitter got to $40 a share for the first time since its IPO, trade flat. And then they peaked uh, in February of this year at $77 uh, after this aggressive uh, projections were uh, released. And now they're at $51 a share in a $40 billion market cap. For it to be at $40 billion is is really disappointing in a way because their influence is much higher. If you look at their revenue by year, 2012, 300. 2013, they doubled to 600 2014, they two and a half times to 1.4 billion, or almost two and a half times. Then from 2014 to 2015, they go from 1.4 to 2.2. It's a 50% growth, not bad. And then here we go, the brakes start to pump 2015 to 2016, only to 2.5. 2017, they go down to 2.4. But then Trump gets elected, and we have a soaring economy. And the product maybe starts getting a little bit better. But I would say Trump and the soaring economy you know, really boost interest in Twitter, and they go 2.4 to 3 billion in 2018 to 3.4 billion in 2019 to 3.7 billion in 2020. Those are nice jumps. But again, you're talking about high single digits, low double digits. And so this is uh, also dovetails because it's only advertising and advertising is fickle during a great economy, or surging usage, you get more ads in a down market, you get crushed, which is why people who were dependent on advertising, like the New York Times built their subscription businesses over the last couple of years, so they don't have to worry about these wild swings. Well, now we have Apple saying we're going to let users opt out, uh, or force them to opt in to being tracked. This is making advertising on mobile phones with the most elite group of people iPhone users, basically, it's it's ankling a lot of it. And we're going to go back to a CPM model, perhaps charging per 1000 impressions, but it's not gonna be as highly targeted. 96% of users opted out of ad tracking. uh, According to the flurry analytics, uh, which is owned by Verizon, which just got out of the (laughs) content and advertising business, they literally sold uh, AOL Yahoo to a hedge fund. And we might see some other things like um, bring your own algorithm, which Jack talked about that uh, he might want to let people bring their own way of sorting uh, after the whole uh, section 230 hearings back in the day. So will Twitter, what will Twitter's revenue be in 2023? Can they double it? I think they can. I think they could double it. Yeah, I could see them acquiring more companies with revenue. I could see this vision coming true. I could see them falling short. Sure, Uh, it's going to be an aggressive goal. I could also see them exceeding it. And they seem to have the right team in place. They seem to be making great acquisitions. And they seem a little more bold and aggressive. And the company's always been passive. They've always been afraid to change what's working. And this is a a lesson for founders. You know, you really do want to be careful to not change the core user interface because that can confuse people and really upset them. Look at Amazon. It's ugly. Craigslist, ugly. eBay, ugly. And then if you try to make them, you know, elegant and new, people get really upset and they, they, they go, why did you change it? I can't find stuff. There is something when you're doing transactions or you're building a CMS or any kind of web service to consistency and not moving stuff around, but that means you could have somebody disrupt you and it's fantastic to see Twitter really um, getting better at product and increasing the velocity and being bold. Congratulations to the team at Twitter. I think you're doing a great job as a, as a power Twitter user and somebody who loves the platform and obviously has been talking about it incessantly for, you know, going on uh, two decades now. I really love the changes and I wish you the best to the Twitter team. It's really impressive work. We'll see you all next time. Bye-bye. This Week in Startups is brought to you by SecureFrame helps hundreds of companies get enterprise ready by streamlining SOC 2 compliance in weeks, not months. Get $2,000 off your first year by going to secureframe.com offer slash twist.